Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming. And I'm Melissa Lynn Fleming. And, and we are your hosts. And it's time for another one of our... Deep Conversations. <laughs> A deep conversation with... You. Me? Yes, you. Okay. <laughs> so really, I'm your host, not we are your hosts. I'm going to be asking Travis some questions today. I'm going to start with the fast five. Are you ready? Yeah, this is weird, though. I'm doing the fast five. Okay. Yes, now you know what it's like to be in the hot seat. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. All right, here's the first one. What was your favorite book when you were a teenager? He has to think way back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a hard one. The first one that comes to my mind is like Flowers for Algernon. I read that in like seventh grade. You're going, oh, that's like teenager. I guess that's maybe even pre Beginning of teenager. Yeah, beginning of teenager. <laughs> maybe maybe that one doesn't qualify. John Grisham, probably the client. I enjoyed that quite a bit. That was fun. Oh, I was hey, a, me too. I, I like John Grisham back in the day. All right, here's your next one. Okay. What car or vehicle did you learn to drive on? Wow. That's a hard question. Um, I'm stumping you already. You are stumping me because I can't remember. We we had this Eagle Talon. It was a white Eagle Talon. And I think that's what my mom taught me how to drive on. So, yeah, that's that's what I, I she taught me how to drive on. But because we grew up on a farm, you know, I learned how to drive a stick on a 1964 Ford F100 that had a light brights on the floor and it was rusted out that if you were driving you could see the ground (laughs) i've been in that truck i know what you're talking about how old were you when you learned to drive on that uh well then i was probably 16 but i mean i drove other stuff around when i was 12 because it's the farm it's different yeah that's cool all right here's your next one what is the last thing that made you really laugh out loud what, probably something one of my kids said. Um, I, I can't think what that is. It's. I read what comes some, to mind? Oh, you would ask these. These are hard. <laughs> you laugh all the time. I, I do. It would be like 30 seconds ago. But it's more fun when I'm, I get somebody else to do this stuff, not me. I, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. My, I feel like there was something the other day that one of my kids did that just made me roll on the ground because I couldn't believe what they actually said. But I wish I can't remember what it is. So that makes it a little bit dull. I thought you would just talk about the last reel or something that made you laugh really loud. I'm sure there probably <laughs> was some reel that made me laugh really loud. Some of those reels that really get me, but I can't think of them right now. I'm on the spot. Okay, if it comes up, you have to answer. Okay. All right, here's the next thing the All best right. tradition that you've started with our kids. Um. Breakfast in the morning together, I think, is good. I I enjoy that being with them and and like and most a, families eat breakfast in the morning. Well, but they but I eat it together and I do like a devotional with them and I just okay. get a chance to debrief and talk to them. Not all the same way, not all the same layer, but sometimes it's a devotional. Uh, sometimes it's me reminiscing over my childhood or something with the kids trying to teach them something. But most of the time it's them being bored. (laughs) They're just bored. They're like, dad, please stop. Please stop, dad. For those of you that don't know, I'm not a morning person. So in our house, the tradition is dad is there for you in the morning and mom is there for you at night. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You're a night owl. I am not. That's Unless okay. breakfast starts at 10, then I'm good. It's <laughs> not breakfast. That's called brunch, honey. Whatever. <laughs> All right. The last one is one that you ask a lot of guests on your show. If you were a restaurant, what would you be and why? If I was a restaurant, what would I be and why? Oh, I, I know this one. This one's easy. I would be, be a Brazilian steakhouse. The one... Uh, 
uh, Fogo de Chao. That's what I would be because it's meat all the time. You can get as much as you want or as little as you want and they'll just keep bringing it. And that's how I feel like I'm as a person. I'm gonna keep giving you solid core, deep stuff to think about and digest and I'll give as much as you want until you turn that little thing over, that little coaster over on the table that says stop <laughs> because I, I just love to give people truth and I love to study the word and I love to share what I've learned and I love to study culture and I love to help people see how the Bible applies to all of life as it, but within the frame of biblical orthodoxy. So yes, I would be Fogo to Chow and it's really good. Um, and I hear they have a really great salad bar that I am trying to figure out why it exists in a steak restaurant because I've, I've visited it, but when you and I have gone, you've actually got steak. Yes. And I, not steak. You've got salad. Salad. And, I get salad. And I always, I'm like, no, it's an amazing salad bar. It's but not just why salad. is there a salad bar at a steak restaurant? That's my thing. Anyway, that's me. Because <laughs> they're holistic in nature. Okay. Not just meat. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's so bad. I mean, it's so good for you to do that. And I need to do that. But anyway. All right. We traveled to Illinois a couple of weeks ago, and we had an Apollos watered gathering. Um, we saw about 25 of our wonderful listeners and friends, and it was a really great time. We had a couple of hours talking about things, discussing the ministry, things that they are going through right now, different different cultural topics. Mm -hmm. So I just want to hear from you. Um, what insights did you get from that gathering? Well, I, I think it's it's a lot of what we we've you can see online um, in a lot of the personal conversations that I've had with people. People people are really having a hard time right now. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that are flying at them, and they don't know what to do. And it seems like every time they turn around, the world is against them because it is um, in their faith, and they're trying to live as Christians. But it's almost as if you just get so overwhelmed, then you can't do anything. Yeah. And and I make the joke at, at times we have so many choices that it becomes overwhelming. If, if I were to go into uh, a, a grocery store, I love to talk about this being in a grocery store and, and you tell me, hey, honey, can you pick up some cereal? And there's like 500 cereals. <laughs> but if you say, you know, get one, two or three, like get, you know, honeycombs or honey nut Cheerios or Rice Krispies, that's easy. I get to yeah. pick which one of those. So I think today people are suffering from um, too many choices and too many things flying around them and stuff that just jars them. I know there's a lot of gender identity issues. There's a lot of uh, issues going on in families right now because no one's really w wanting to recognize the authority of the Bible anymore. So people don't know where to start. They don't know how to engage in conversations with people because if you start with someone and they don't agree with the Bible where they, they value something much higher than the Bible, then how do you do that? And, th and that requires some to work. You have to know the word. You have to know what, how people think and why the, th the way that they, they think the way that they do. And, and that's part of what we're trying to do is help understand how people think and in a holistic nature, not just mm -hmm. here, but around the world as best as we can imperfectly and knowing that we'll never be able to do it exhaustively, but really help people encounter other views with the truth of Jesus because God's, God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. uh, as Jesus said very clearly, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And it's applicable to every single person in every single culture. And that's what we love about it. That no matter what new idea comes down, even to interpret the foundation of the word of God and what it means, um, the Bible still remains true and mm -hmm. it's steadfast. And trying to help people see that and how the Bible helps answer their questions um, in a, in a different way. It's not just giving a Bible verse, right. you know, it, yeah. it's understanding the foundation of that belief and what it's rooted in and then showing how the Bible applies to that situation. So those are some of the things that we saw. Uh, but we also saw, and this was really encouraging to see how people are learning from the podcast mm -hmm. and growing. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they're able to water their worlds as they're encountering people from different worldviews and different belief systems and and they're knowing how to answer. And mm -hmm. I love that. That makes me really, really excited. So I know sometimes you're you feel like you're stuck behind a microphone and you don't get to interact with a lot of people that are listening. And so this was a great way to hear from them and to hear the stories about how they're listening and what's happening after that and how their perspective has changed. 
One thing um, you talked about was being overwhelmed with a lot of different things, mm -hmm. so many things that we're dealing with today. And one thing that encouraged me was that they're not just sticking their head in the sand. They are actually engaged and their emotions are there. They are grieving for people that are hurting. They are wanting to know how they can help and come alongside people. And so what are some kind of unifying um, maybe threads that the people we interacted with brought forth to you that you really saw coming from their hearts? Well, what you just said, people want to connect. They want to be able to reach them. Um, some of the threads that I'm seeing is that people are starting to rediscover that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And some of the best ways are actually some of the most simple and the most complex. And what I mean by that is it's simple in that hospitality, for example, that's simple. But it's also complex because it means you have to find time. You have to make the effort. You have to do something that people are increasingly not used to yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I, I see people starting to awaken to the idea that a lot of the ministry methodologies that had been established years ago are not as effective now. Mm -hmm. And not that the truth has changed. No, the truth the truth is the same. Right. It's yeah. our approach and our, how we present the truth, I think, is, uh, is shifting. And people are starting to grasp that and step into that. And really, it's nothing really new. It's, mm -hmm. it's ancient. That's what I, I love about it. The Word of God has had it in there. And it's almost as if it's been kind of covered up with dust over time. And we're just, you know, like an umpire trying to clean off home plate. We're just taking the, the broom and just brushing it off so we can see it all over again. And so rediscovering the truths that are already in God's word, um, because again, God's word is completely trustworthy and, um, and authoritative in our mm -hmm. lives, but we do need to know how to interpret and how to apply it properly. And so I think that's what we're seeing is people want to see it. They're grabbing onto it. They're feeling something that, that they feel disjointed. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm hearing that across the board. Nobody knows what to do yeah. right now. Yeah. And everybody's shouting at one another. And I think we should, I, I think there is, we do know what to do. <laughs> the Bible's kind of laid it out. I mean, love, love God and love people and listen to them, hear their aches, hear their pains, and then answer their questions as they come. Not just to give an answer, but we are to give an answer for the reason the hope that we have. Uh, but to do so, not to win an argument, but to show we really do care. And I think that's what we're trying to do and help meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different pieces to that. Yeah. And I think we're just starting to uncover so many of them as people are, are starting to awaken to this idea of watering their, their world. So I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit with what you just answered. You said that there are things in the Bible that have been gathering some dust. We haven't been paying much attention to that was alive and well in ancient times. And we need to have be alive and well now. Mm -hmm. Give me an example of what one of those things would be. Well, like what I just said, hospitality. That's a big okay, one. What about it, though? It's so, not like the tablecloth and the silver and the, like, what do you mean well, about it could, it hospitality? Could be <laughs> well, just do it. Okay. So um, we, had a, we had a good friend that we've met since we've moved to this area. And um, we invited him over for dinner because that's what you do. You mm -hmm. know, that's where we're, what's what we have done in well, our ministries. We, do. <laughs> we invite people over to dinner. And this, uh, this, this wonderful lady said to us that she's been in the church for a significant number of years. And she said... Not once has anyone ever invited me into their home. And, and I think there's a problem with that. We've, yeah. our, our homes have become, become like an impenetrable oasis for us, almost like a fortress of solitude, if you will, mm. rather than opening it up. And I think people are scared because they don't know about the time commitment. They don't know what to say. They don't know what people are going to think. They don't want people to think bad of them. I mean, I know when I was a kid, when my when I would go over and visit someone's house, my mother would pepper me with questions when I came home. Is their house nicer than ours? How do they decorate this? How do they do that? Because we, we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. And people compare. You know, they yeah. try to show off. And that's that's not what you're to do with hospitality. Right. It's it's just, hey, I'm I'm trying to be friends. I'm trying to get to know you. 
and I want to get to know, I want you to get to know me. I want to get to know you. Let's eat together. Let's just, whether it's tea or it's a meal or something, but mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how many people don't do this anymore. Right. Yeah. But other cultures still do. And the word of God talks about it all the time. That's why Jesus got so much flack. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know if we think we're going to be polluted or, or it's just going to be different. It's going to be awkward. And let me tell you, there's going to be awkwardness. Yeah, always. Always. There's going to be <laughs> awkwardness. And, I've, and you and I have talked about this. Um, and I've said this at church. It's going to be awkward. But awkward is? Awesome. Awesome. Um, <laughs> And it, it sometimes awkward isn't awesome, <laughs> but, but you get my point is that we got to get through that in order to really develop the relationships and the, the relational credit to be able to share effectively. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to negate people that are doing evangelism on the streets. I'm not saying that God can use whatever, mm-hmm. but the most powerful form in my mind is building a relationship and that takes time, it takes trust, and it takes true character. Um, and it takes a degree of authenticity and vulnerability. And that scares people because they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're at a level to be yeah. able. But here's the deal. We're never going to be at that level. You know, we're never going to be at this super spiritual ohm kind of, you know, this level. <laughs> yeah, we've never done ohm, uh, ohm in our and, house No, we before. never have. But, but I mean, people think, you know, I'm this super spiritual saint. I'm walking around with a yellow disc behind my head. And of I've got it all together. And I think one of the things that we see in our modern world today is no matter who you are, nobody has it all together. Not completely. You might have problems with your kids. I mean, even if you come over to my house, I'm going to, you know, my kids are going to drive me crazy. I'm going to be like, get off the phone, go away. Don't talk like that. Use your manners. You know, Mm -hmm. and I mean, because they stress me out when it was just us. (laughs) I'm like, would you stop that, please? (laughs) Um, and, uh, it's, but it, we're in process and we love Jesus and we want other people to know Jesus and we want, we want our kids to know Jesus, but Mm -hmm. it takes a degree of vulnerability to be able to do that. I was reading something from, uh, Henry Nowen and I don't know, Henri Nowen. Yeah. I don't know the exact quote, but the gist of it was hospitality is when someone is welcomed into your presence or your home. And they feel like they can be completely themselves, where you have disarmed any status or whatever, and they walk in and they get the gift of being completely themselves. And I loved the thought of that because I know we've talked about this. We want people to come into our home and not feel like they have to only sit a certain place or act a certain way. Well, don't sit in my chair. (laughs) <laughs> you they don't can sit have anybody a chair. Else. I do. Oh, I have a chair at the table. At the table, and don't touch my coffee mug. <laughs> That's all I got. Nothing else. I'm good. Wow, with. I just learned I need to post those house rules. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's my thing. Moving on. <laughs> okay, we're gonna shift a little bit, and we're gonna actually talk about um, deep conversations itself, because. Sometimes I think we look at the people that are on Deep Conversations and the people who are being interviewed and the content is actually amazing. I'm not just saying that because I'm your wife. I love it. I listen to them too. But in general, why are we even bringing people to the podcast that many of our listeners have never encountered before? Well, to me, to me, there's different levels of like, information you know there there's the people that are the the point uh the tip of the spear um and a lot of what they do trickles down to everybody else and i'm not i'm a primary source person meaning that mm-hmm. i don't like secondary sources i like to hear it from the you know that what is that hear it from the horse's mouth mm-hmm. if you will and <laughs> those are the people that i want to talk to and i want people to encounter because by the time that most of us get these people it's gone through two or three other people Mm-hmm. And I, I want to actually talk to them. And sometimes they talk very, I mean, they're, they're, these are very smart people and God has used them in really amazing ways. But I want people to encounter them and see what I see, because what I see them talking about is of primary importance for the gospel's advancement going forward. They're seeing things that not everybody sees in a church mm-hmm. service that, that's in ministry mm-hmm. because frankly, when do we have time to address that? And 
not only that, how do we sift through all of these different people that have these different voices? Mm-hmm. So I have this news app on my phone and on it, it'll get these different, uh, just news articles. But because I've clicked on Christian articles before, I get all these other quote unquote Christian articles coming up. Mm-hmm. And these are people I've never heard of. I don't know their yeah. background. I don't know anything about them. And they're writing, saying some pretty crazy stuff. And I thought, well, if I'm a little overwhelmed, because there's so many of them that mm-hmm. come out, who else is going to be overwhelmed who doesn't have the theological education in the background and the experiences that I have? So I see myself as a filter. I, I'm to filter stuff and give you the pure stuff, just like uh, you like pure water, right? You don't like yes. any impurities and anything like that. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and that can be said for any culture. I mean, we know that the impurities are what can make us sick. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to do is I want to purify, I want to give you the, the purest content I can find. The people that are the best at what they do and that can help us in one way, shape or form follow Jesus at a deeper level. Because I'm hearing more and more people say they're, they're disenfranchised, they're frustrated because they think that their church is just this show. It's this, this McDonaldization concept, you know, where it's the one size fits all. It's the same happy meal. It's the same stuff everywhere else. And while the message of Jesus is the same. Yes. It's the expression of it and what they're addressing in that culture that might differ slightly. And so the, the idols in that culture and that people and what they value and the gospel addresses all of those things equally. So I, I want to be the person that says, I want to find those idols and I want to hit them mm-hmm. because I think that the church has a tendency to get experience mission drift, if you will. And uh, as the different waves kind of just rage in and hit you over and over, it can knock the wind out of any leader's sails or mm-hmm. knock them over, mix yeah. metaphors. But mm-hmm. um, I want to be able to say, no, here's who you need to listen to. This is what they're saying. And mm-hmm. this is why this is important. And this is how you can apply it and help people really grab a hold of it so that they might be able to again water their world as their world changes, because there is not a one size fits all. Right. And honestly, I think that's one of the biggest problems is that due to just the rise of the kind of one size fits all church, a lot of other things that people are dealing with get just dropped to the sides Mm -hmm. and people don't think that's important because they, they have to conserve their manpower and focus themselves. And that, that leaves a lot of things wanting and then people will go other places to find it. But the thing is, it's in the word of God. So we need to be able to get back to the word and show them in the word how their question and their issue is answered, mm-hmm. if that helps. Yes. Well, one thing I really appreciate about Apollos Watered is we want to be biblically grounded. Yes. So when you talk about sifting through things and we're bombarded with information, even if it's labeled Christian, you have to sift through things. And a lot of times we are just stuck in what is continuously around us and we're not engaging with different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so I love that I can encounter these people that are thinking things in a different way who have a different perspective and they can bring it to my mind. And it's not just the same people that I listen to all the time. Mm -hmm. So would you say that our role is to actually bring um, a perspective that you probably would not have encountered in your everyday life to help you actually live um, like Christ and think biblically in your everyday life? Oh, I, I don't know your question. <laughs> Stop listening to me. I am listening to you. <laughs> I I think what you're saying, if I get this right, is that are the, the things that we're encountering, I call it the corrective, where you can have a diet that you just favor meat, like with me with Fogo to Chow, but you have to have a balanced diet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so while I might give you the meat, I also want to give you the other stuff that the Bible talks about that other, I find other people don't talk about. Or the things you might not naturally even gravitate oh, towards. right. Because, because you're constantly looking at other things that are around you, what other people are putting in front of you, or your tribe, or just your friend group, or whatever. Well, it's like it's like my son, you know, my son likes the game. And he, our son, our son, sorry, sorry, (laughs) our son likes the game and you can go tell him that dinner is ready. And he does, he may not even know you're there. That's true. He's so lost in his own world. And I think that's just a a great picture of uh, like every everyday people. We get lost in our own little worlds Mm -hmm. and we don't see the things that are outside that we need. Um, 
let, let's talk about just just to, to give you another idea and flavor of this. Um, in in working with Africans, uh, I worked with Africans uh, at our church for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned was just the ever-present nature of the spirit world in their mind. Yes. And that was not true for our cultural. I mean, it was a yeah. kind of a nod, like, hey, you know, like, hey, over there, that's mm-hmm. great. Long, just stay over there. I really don't want to talk to you. Kind of scared <laughs> of it, actually. Yeah. In, and in we, But we're also afraid of getting labeled as some of the crazy people who make a demon or everything's demonic or, mm-hmm. you know, every root of every has names of the spirits and all that kind of thing. And that's not what I'm talking about. But I do think that if I don't address what they're dealing with in their world and and how the scripture talks about it. And honestly, what we all we deal do. with we in do. our world. Yeah, we do. And so, so that's just one example where we want to kind of shine a light on that. Um, we also want to shine a because light. Because that's a, a value. It's it is. a good value that they have and a good awareness that they have where we might shy away from something that the Bible, Bible clearly speaks about. They're not. And and the problem is, is that when we shy away, other false teachers grab a hold of it and then they fill that void, that vacuum. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. The most important Bible translation is the one you read. At Apollos Watered, we use several different translations when we're studying, preaching, or teaching. But again and again, we keep coming back to the New Living Translation, the NLT. That's why we are excited to partner together. We are united in the belief that understanding the Bible changes everything. Because if you can't understand it, then you won't read it. We want you to know the God of the Bible, to water your faith so that you will water your world. That's why we recommend getting an NLT. It's the Bible in the language we speak. It's not foreign or complicated, but up close and personal. To save some money, go to Tyndale.com. Use the promo code NLTBibles. It will give you 15% off. There's an NLT for everyone, from kids to adults, devotional Bibles, study Bibles, and so much more. Get one today, because understanding the Bible changes everything, and the NLT is the Bible you can understand. I had this, you know, we're going to get off the rails here, but I, I remember my first few years of ministry, we had a guy come in and, and he went into a Bible study and, and he was kind of a, he was a different guy. <laughs> he had like tattoos on his arm of all the different like horror movie characters. Nope. And he would wear sunglasses at church and, and he was a very, like wear trench coats and he was a very odd guy, but he came to Bible study. And that's what we wanted. We wanted Bible study. And he asked a question in the middle of Bible study one time. He goes, are there aliens? You know, and I'm like, what do I say to this? You know, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. But C.S. Lewis actually did, which is Mm -hmm. strange enough. He said, and remember, he dies in 1963. So we haven't even gone to, we haven't even gone to the moon yet. And he says, I can't see God creating all these worlds. Um... And them not having, and them not having, uh, any type of, of life on them. But mm-hmm. if they did, then they have to have salvation in the exact same way that we do. And I, I thought that was just interesting. Now, again, the Bible doesn't talk about that, mm-hmm. but we see that. Again, that's kind of sound logic. That's an issue that people do talk about. Right. Yeah. And, and so we need to be able to give a definitive answer, which is interesting because that's what Mike Heiser, who came on the show and he does the Naked Bible podcast. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. That's his shtick. Yeah. He goes after those people because no one else will. Right. Because they're afraid of being labeled as lunatics or crazy people or whatever. Fill in the blank. Um, so now, go listen to that episode. Yeah. Yeah. The Mike Heiser, <laughs> Mike, Mike Heiser, I mean, God be with that guy. He's dealing with pancreatic cancer right now. And I don't know what his last health update is, but his stuff is, is good. Mm-hmm. Um, in that he really just hits what the text says because he recognizes, I think, as do we, that sometimes our denominational heritage shapes it, shapes our faith in dis- can shape our faith in distorted ways okay. to shy away from different doctrines. Like we build 
little forts around our, our kind of pet doctrines. And we need to be able to say, okay, why was that fort built around that pet doctrine? Mm-hmm. What were they responding to? And is that doctrine not as applicable, but its expression, is that right um, today as it was then? Because sometimes that can help, that can be a blinder to yeah. us to see something in the scripture that's there for a reason. And that's what mm-hmm. Heiser does. Um and that's what I, I really enjoy about it. And even Trimper Longman in the episode that I had with him. I mean, this is one of the foremost, you know, best Old Testament scholars in the world. And he's saying, just let the text say what it does. Just let the yeah. text say what it does. And that's what I, I love about it. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? So, yeah, we're biblically grounded because we want to know what does the Bible say? Because the Bible speaks to every single people in every single culture, which is why we also advocate for Bible translation. Yes. Because we want to see the Bible go into every single language group in the world. And we want to see new expressions of that because our language is always shifting. I mean, think about how much our language has shifted in the last two years. Social distancing. Right. Vaxxed, you know, masking, all these different terms. Cancel culture have Mm -hmm. just been added to our cultural lexicon. Right. And language is always moving. And that's why we need to constantly be translating um, and translating to speak it, not just have it written down. Because I think a lot of times, especially in the West, we think of oh, Bible translation. That means they're going to get a written Bible in their hand. But I just think about what I saw, what Nick Ripkin actually posted. Yeah. And it's about um, being able to speak the word of God and orally translate it. Um, because there's so many people around the world that actually can't read but they can understand the gospel and well, the words of the, the Bible. Orality cultures are huge. And, and put a plug in here. We are having, uh, as a special guest coming on the show soon, Streetlights. Oh, yeah. Which, um, that's more of an urban. They put music behind it and, it, and they read the scripture, and they put kind of a beat underneath it. Mm-hmm. And and we know some young people, that's what they their first introduction to the Bible was, and they loved that's it. That's awesome. And so it's it's finding ways to connect with all different audiences. Again, all the different worlds mm-hmm. that are out there. Yeah, that's an urban world. And having been, um, we served in an urban church for six years. Yeah, it needs it has its own language, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to meet them in their way and and talk to them in the way that they understand. And so that's why I, I just love Bible translation. I love getting the word of God out there. And what Nick said, not just written, but orality based telling the stories reciting them because we think in stories we do we think in stories that's why jesus told parables and he's the most awesome teacher ever so on our um some of our social media pages we actually quoted you from the from the trillia you quoted me i quoted you you quote me (laughs) trillia is cool you were saying that your vision of god grows as you see him through another's eyes can you explain what you mean by that yeah, that could go really off the rail quick. Um, so what I mean by that, and 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 this is all within the fr- the framework of orthodoxy. Yeah. So let me let me let me say that <laughs> because I don't want to say you know this is how you see God and now this is how I see God. No, 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 no. When we look at the scripture together, your cultural experience, your life you see things that I might miss. That when I see, I hear you, and you tell me the story, you're highlighting things that I may not highlight. So uh, here's here's a quick story. In the parable of the prodigal son, when Arabic translators were translating that the father ran, Mm-hmm. You know, it's commonly known that they they wouldn't translate it because no man would do that who was that distinguished. It so was he culturally. They won't run. They wouldn't run. run to but he does. That's the point mm-hmm. in the text. And that's just to show how far God is willing to go. So somebody of that stature and honor. Yeah. Put aside the status of running what that would mean and ran anyway. Or he cared, yeah, he didn't care what people thought. I put it that way. He he was more he cared more about the person um and reaching and reaching them. And so that blows my mind. That helps me go, okay, well what what am I not doing? 
you know, when I approach God or, or when David danced before the Lord and it says that his wife, Michael, despised him in her heart because he humiliated himself. That's what she says mm-hmm. in the sight of his servant girls. And it's like, well, God, God cares about your heart. Now, I also know the New Testament. Let everything be done decently and in order. But I think what we're seeing there is I'm seeing it through your eyes that God cares about your heart. And mm-hmm. and to put that aside, or like, for example, as Trillia is talking about in the African-American expression, there's a lot of it's very different. I mean, anybody who's been around a black church, you know that it's different. There's a lot of there's it's a lot more open, um, a lot more freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, the singing's different. Um, even even the, the, the beats can go different when you clap and don't clap. And there's a call and response mm-hmm. because there's this idea of celebration, of jubilation, of of who we are and victory that I don't think my cultural expression being a Caucasian male grabs a hold of, but I want to know theirs. And, and what does that make you it. see more of God? How does that make you see him differently by being involved with a more jubilant, joyful, loud, even um, celebration worship service? Well, I, I think it helps me to see the, the other scriptures, you know, shout, make a joyful noise to the Lord, you know, shout to the, to the earth, all you know, those kind of Verses bring out the full flavor, I think, of scripture. And it makes me more joyous because it brings in the holistic nature of who I am. Because I want to do that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm with my cultural people, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> because they're going to look at you like you're some freakzoid. So, <laughs> Is that a new word? It's a, I don't know. Freakazoid. Maybe freakazoid, freakzoid. <laughs> um, but they are. They're going to look at you and give you the look. The look, you know, which means stop doing that. That's mm-hmm. not appropriate. Um, but that's why I love them too, because they'll talk about reverence. Mm-hmm. When I interact with, and I've shared this before on the show, um, with my Russian friends or with my friends that come from uh, more of a high church background, there's this idea of silence, mm-hmm. of quiet, of mystery, of be still and know that I am God, mm-hmm. or let all the earth be silent before him. There's this idea and awareness of his majesty. And I need that. I need that picture in my mind to see him. And it makes me stop and go, whoa, I've been treating God way too flippantly. Mm. And I need to see his holiness. I mean, I think of Moses when he strikes the rock after God told him to speak to it. And, and he says, the scripture says that he failed to uphold the Lord as holy. Well, that, that strikes me, Mm -hmm. you know, because we can become too flippant, too casual. I think with God, we, we forget as it says in Ecclesiastes, you know, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Let your words be few. Right. Um, because he he's altogether different. Again, C.S. Lewis. He's a he's not a tame lion, mm-hmm. but he's good. Yeah. And so I want people to encounter God in his fullness, in the fullness of his image. And I think other cultures help bring out an aspect of it that's embedded in the word. It's there. Mm-hmm. We just need to. When we interact, it brings it out. And if I don't interact, then I won't see that part of it. And and, and sometimes I'll be surprised going, it's been there the whole time. How did I miss this? Right. Yeah. So and maybe I love that even, part. Would you say give ourselves permission to experience those different aspects and not just stay where we are and what we know? Yes. I, I think b- because we are holistic creatures and I think that we, we deny some of our the good parts of our, our, uh, we ignore some of the experience that our redemption inspires or enlivens within us by denying it. You know, mm-hmm. and I say my desire, I don't mean my simple desire. I mean the desire to praise God. Let's say if I want to shout or dance, mm-hmm. um, my cultural expression is not known for dance. I mean, my, my family background and, but you see that. Miriam picked up the tambourine and danced, or mm-hmm. again, David danced before the Lord. Yeah. And and so there's this praise the Lord, even with the dance. And I know I'm getting mm-hmm. on dance right now, but it's a whole body thing. Right. And I, and I think too often we're just information driven. Just mm-hmm. give me more information. I, I remember one time I was trying to figure out what to do in a say a sermon. And uh, I mentioned it to a, a pastoral colleague and he goes, just give him more information. 
And I'm like, well, that's that's not the point of the sermon. The, mm-hmm. the, the point of the sermon is to really bring them into an encounter with God. I, and I can't, I can't do that. I'm to preach the fullness of his word and then to bring it to bear as best as I can, as the spirit leads in, in my preparation and my personal time with God mm-hmm. and bring it to bear upon them. But the spirit has to do that work. And then though they're to respond to that. And how the question is, is how do they respond? Is it just a mental ascent? Is it bowing? Is it reverence? Is it clapping? Is it shouting? Is it weeping? Is it mm-hmm. lament? Is it dance? Um, is it extolling of his praises? Is it giving thanks? These are all ways. And the scripture talks about all of them. And I just want to be able to highlight each one if I possibly can. I love that. All right, we're going to shift a little bit. And we're going to talk to, well, really all of us in this world. Something that we've talked about is how in the world do we live as Christians in a world that is not Christian? And so I'm just wondering if you can give us a direction or some strategic ways or advice for us in this culture that we have right now um, on how we can actually live like Christ. I mean, that's a broad question. How do you live like Christ in the middle of this world? That's, in a, that's this a large world, question. In this world and the things that we're dealing with right now and the divisive nature of things, the argumentative nature of things. Okay. And okay. That, and you that help? That I gave you a little yeah, bit more direction. It, it gives me a little bit of a, of a insight. Okay. I think you need to, you need to know the word of God because without the word, we've got nothing. That's the first step. You got, you got to be able to know the mm-hmm. word, the know the God of the word and let the word of God know you. That's number one. Number two, approach with humility, I think, mm. is understand that we all, we, while we know the answer is Christ, not every, every aspect do we understand and know and right. why people are dealing with stuff. I, mm-hmm. I've seen some people just throw labels haphazardly half, 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 half at people, causing a lot of damage in the process, not thinking through what they were saying. Oh, it's just a spiritual issue. You know, that's why you're in this situation because you've mm. disobeyed. It's Job's friends all over again. This is yeah. why your child is the way that your child is because of your sin, mm. your issue. And I'm like, this hasn't changed since Jesus's day. I think of the man right. born blind. Why is he born blind? Was it because yeah. of something he did or his parents? And Jesus is like, neither. It's so that the glory of God might be displayed in this situation. So I think we need to have an aspect of humility. When we approach, you need to know the word. You need to be humble. You need to pray. God still has not removed himself from the power of prayer. Amen. Um, but I, I, in addition to that, and not, not to, I don't mean to make that sound like it surpasses it in any which way. It's more like you need to learn how to love like Jesus did, even when the people around you don't value what you value. Oh, yeah. And you have to, you have to, this is a long game. Mm -hmm. This is not the shouting of the rhetoric. This isn't throwing the articles. This isn't giving, you know, Facebook hand grenades. This is (laughs) where you post and leave and there's my answer and I go with your, you know, your, uh, you know, your, your big gun. Instead, you need to take time to listen and why are they saying what they're saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and stand for biblical truth, stand firm, but be confident in your answer. Know that God isn't threatened by this. God's not shouting. God's not, God's not, you know, being antagonistic toward them. God is loving. He's patient. He's long suffering. Um, and we have to be. Yeah. And I think this is the time of long suffering. That's an old term, theological term. It's time to, to recover that a bit where it's not instantaneous. This right. is, this is, this is the hard part about our culture when we're the, as Brett McCracken talked about this present perceptionalism or I never can get the word right. It's something with the present where <laughs> presentism? presentism, no, but it's like this perceptual, that's what it was. Perceptual or perpetu- perpetual, perpetual presentism. Yes. Uh, perpetual presentism where we're always reacting to the moment and we're only living in the present. And because of that, we can't think the long game. Mm. We can't think about what is to come in the future. And, and really it's the little choices every day that will yield the, the 
the harvest after years. And I think that's seen in parenting too. Yeah. You know, it's the, and, and again, not that there is a perfect parent out there and not because uh, I, th- I, I do think we're not. I, I know we're not. But <laughs> but I even I think some people think, uh, what have I done wrong that if I did right, they would be good. Well, yeah. you can still do everything right and have it go wrong. God's the perfect parent and we still right. disobey. Um, we can't do everything right. Nor, right. I mean, I think it's good that we don't. How else would we show our kids what it means to repair a relationship? Well, even even then, reconcile or forgive. I mean, we have to model that. Well, I think sometimes, and maybe this is a Western thing that you and I have both been around the table, and you talk about what happened in your lives to make us so screwed up. <laughs> and I mean, with friends, you know, we hear that with friends all the time, and and our kids are going to do the same thing. They're yes. going to go. They really jacked that up, and that's why I'm like, okay, let's be more students of history. Yeah. Let's not give ourselves to every new trend of every new parenting technique and thing that comes down and every person that knows the newest answer, but let's love God. Let's love our kids. Let's love our spouses and our, and our children. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is how you do that. And I think, I guess that's a lot more radical than I would expect, but it's, it's loving people, being patient and walking through life together and continuing to bring Christ to bear upon the situation in them and through them. Not that you're forcing it on them, but just trying to show them how Christ is, is living in you Yeah. and, and wants to live in them. And I think that's a big, a big part of the deal there. Well, that question took a lot of turns. Every question <laughs> that I have takes turns. And I'm the one asking them. Yeah. Well, one thing that I noticed from there when you were talking about people that are different than you, loving people that have different values than you even, um, I want to take that a little step further. What happens or give us some insight um, on what happens when somebody walks into your life or walks into your church that is completely different from you? How do you love them? And I'm asking this because, well, because I've watched you do this. I have over 20 years of experience watching you do this. And I think there's some things that you are, you automatically know now through experience that others could find value in. So when somebody is different than you and you see them come into church, what do you do? So... Or think. What do you think? What's you know, your process? T.V. Thomas, who's a great Indian evangelist, uh, we were doing a speaking engagement in India once, and I had the opportunity just to, to spend a few hours with him, and I was just sopping in this wisdom, just incredible wisdom. I'm, I'm at computer and just letting him talk, mm-hmm. writing, trying to type everything he's telling me down. And one of the things he said, so simple, he goes, don't meet titles, don't d- just meet people. Mm-hmm. And... And you can apply that to every situation, not just titles, but don't meet outward sins. Or status. Or status or whatever. But if, Mm -hmm. like, for example, uh, like a drag queen comes in your church, don't just meet the drag queen. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you you need to meet that person Mm -hmm. and and you need to love that person and love that person to Jesus. Because what Mm -hmm. our tendency is to do is to shut down the outward first and then deal with the inward. And that's wrong. That's the wrong approach. You got to deal with the inward and then it goes outward and that takes time and that takes prolonged time. And so mm-hmm. what I would try to do at church is meet every single person and give them dignity. Yeah. And, and what I, and I don't actually, I take that back. I didn't give them a dignity. They already have it. Right. I want to affirm the dignity that's in them as a human being that they're made in the image of God to love them. And I, and I want to think, how does Jesus want to love this person? And, and I do it imperfectly. Um, I mean, you have people that smell, people with personalities you don't like, people that mm-hmm. are going to intentionally try to offend you or get a rise out of you, or some people are evasive. They'll never mm-hmm. share what they're dealing with, and and, and they, they want to get away from you as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, but I think you try to love. You make the attempt to love. You shake a hand. You... Um, you talk to them, you hear their story, you ask questions about them, and then you continually try to invite them into the community uh, and to experience what this this is uh, as they're loved by Christ followers. But the problem is, is the church, we don't really do that very well. And, and I mean, it's, and that's across the board. Some churches are doing, I mean, better awesome. Better than others. Uh, better yeah. than others. But it's not about the show there. 
you know, I, I notice certain, there's certain churches, it is about the presentation, mm. um, because they place a high value on that. And I understand why, but one of the things that gets lost, especially as a church gets larger, it's very hard to connect on that personal level because you don't know if they're, you don't, you don't want to say something dumb. Like you walk up and you go, Oh, Hey, it's nice to see you today. Is, is it your first time here? No, I've been going here for 10 years. And you're like, Oh, Oh, I, I'm a horrible person. So, so sorry. I'm going to walk away right now. <laughs> name tags, name tags help. With Na- that. Name tags help a lot. <laughs> they help a lot. That's a practical way. So I heard you say that first of all, our heart perspective is necessary recognizing the dignity we all have. Mm -hmm. We're all made in God's image and really see the person, not just their outward appearance. I mean, that can go for a drag queen or that can go for just a white guy dressed preppy. And you can judge that. (laughs) There's so many different ways that we judge other people. Um, And then just meet who they are. Shake their hand. Ask them questions. Don't be afraid. Well, I think not being afraid. Work but through the awkward. You work through the awkward, but I mean, you do in some way, and I don't want to put this to the side and say that it doesn't matter at all, because it does. When people say, I don't see color or I don't see these things. No, you do. You do. Mm. You can't You can't remove that part of our humanity. But it's learning to value them no matter where they're putting their dignity value in. Mm. That's a really good point. And, and I think that's the, the hard part. And, and learning when to affirm that, like it's good, mm-hmm. and when to, to challenge it if it's an idol. Do you actually think sinful. through that when you see somebody? Like, oh, look, I wonder where they're from. I wonder the things that they love or what they're involved in. Or like, yeah. do you think oh, yeah. through that I, stuff? When I, when I meet people, usually I do. I, I'm already trying to think through who, like, I want to know who they are. Mm-hmm. I want to know like where they're from. What do they value? How many how, are they married? Are they single? What's their background? Did they did they go to school? What did they study? What do they do as an occupation? Um, what are their hobbies? You know, I, not that I'm thinking through all that at one time, but I am like, trying to. But well, but I'm trying to build a biography <laughs> in my head, a file, so that I know that how to approach them best and how to love them best, mm-hmm. because I. Like if I see uh, one of my my Congolese friends that speaks Swahili, I, I'm going to say you know Jambo. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always going to say Jambo, and I'm going to try to find out about their family. And if they're dressed in a nice suit, I'm going to talk to them about their suit, you know, mm-hmm. in a good way, because I I want to I want to find the best in and a person. celebrate what they're valuing. Yeah, and celebrate yeah. well, when depending it's good. when it's good, when and it's that's good. that's the hard part. Is then you got to make a judgment call, mm-hmm. and that's hard to do because you can be wrong. You know, this is the judgment we got to be careful of. Jesus is like, you know, watch the the log in your own eye before you pick mm-hmm. out the speck in someone else's. Yeah. So I don't want to make an assumption that that's their identity. I I, I just want to go. Okay, they dress nice. They they might value style or they might value looking good. They I know they dressed up for this. I want to make sure that I validate that because when you dress up, it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, it can go the other way and they can put their identity in it and they always want to wear it and get people to notice and things like that. And then, then you got to change your tactic a bit. But again, that's the, the file that I'm building in my brain. And, and, and I don't want to put that, I don't want, I don't want that to have a negative connotation. It's not one where I'm trying to, to put you in a place. No, I want right. you to become the person that God wants you to be. And mm-hmm. I want to love you the way that God wants me to love you. And in order to do that, I need to know really who you are. To say, yeah. And that's why I get, I, some, I, I really personally, when I hear people say, oh, I love all you people in the room. It's like, well, I get your, you get your emphasis. I get your desire, what you're trying hey, to we're say. We're supposed to love everybody. We right? are, but the, <laughs> the reality is, is we don't. And if someone says they do, fine, you're a better person than I am. And, and that might be the case. <laughs> But most of us, I need to know you. You know, mm-hmm. when I met you, like you, Melissa Fleming, mm-hmm. you weren't Melissa Fleming then, did I, I didn't love you then. I knew you loved me, but I didn't love. No, you thought it was dangerous. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but I guess there's this kind of, you know, there's this, this God love mm-hmm. that we are to have, but then there's this specific love. And there's even reasons why the Greeks gave different words to love. Yes. Um, 
you know, the love of a mother for a child, uh, the sexual love, you, you have the, the un God's unconditional love, you have the friendship love, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure that we, we are loving people the way God wants them to be loved. The neighborly love. Yeah. And all with the foundation that we all have dignity. Yes. God we all loves do. us all. We all do. And if I can find a way to enhance that, especially if you, it has been unenhanced in you, um, without being paternalistic, then I want to do that. Okay, I'm going to shift from differences, and I just want to hear some things that unify us. Talk about recognizing what unifies us when you are connecting with somebody, whether it's somebody brand new or somebody that you've known for a while. Well, you know, I read a book years ago by Brian Chappell called Christ-Centered Preaching, great book. And in it, he talks about what's called the fallen condition focus. You know, what's the fallen condition focus in a passage? He called it the FCF. And I, I really have held on to that because every part of the word of God addresses our fallen condition. When you run people through that same grid, that everybody has a fallen condition, that there is a, a shared humanity mm. to us as God's image bearer fallen, though it may be, and it might express itself differently. Mm -hmm. There's still the shared expression. I want the, the unifiers that I already know people want to love. Mm -hmm. They want to be loved. Yeah. They want to, they want to love for the fullness of who they are and they, they want to love and they want to be accepted. They want belong. safety. They want belonging. They want security. They want to have purpose. These are things that, that transpire every, I mean, transpire, Transcend. <laughs> transcend every <laughs> single culture without exception. And so I want to find out what those are. Um, as best I can and show that, you know, you can, that God has given you a purpose. He has loved you and we want to, you know, show love to you. And I want to know who you are because I also want to benefit from your gifts because mm -hmm. a person can't just get something from me. Right. You know, it's just like a marriage. Like you're not, I mean, I'm putting my wife on the spot, but we're uh -oh. like, where you feel like sometimes you're serving everybody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I've heard you say, sometimes I just want someone to serve me. Yes, I've said that. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, you have. <laughs> and, but I think there's some truth to that, is that we want to be taken care of and that we also want to, to give, mm -hmm. you know, and we want both of those. And I think that, again, that's a part of our humanity and the Word of God shows that. Mm -hmm. We just need to draw that out. And, and I think that's the bridge we have to build is we have to show where their, their, their experience meets the reality of the word and how it applies. And sometimes people don't, they miss it because of the language, mm -hmm. meaning that they're just dealing with concepts and phrases that they're not used to. But when you, you just take that diamond and shine it, shine it in a slightly different light, then they can see it. And so that's what I want to do. You actually gave me a great segue because... What, what? That is actually what is going to start happening on Watering Wednesdays. Yes. Right? Yes. We're going to be taking... We've been delayed with Watering Wednesdays. Yes, but we're going to be taking the Bible and what the truths that are in there and applying them just the way that you talked about. So that's awesome. Look forward to that. Well, I think it's been amazing to hear your heart and perspective on stuff that's going on with Apollos Watered. And I want to know what is the best way that people can connect with us in the next three to six months. I know there's stuff going on and I'm just, I'm going to put a plug in. I want everybody to subscribe to the newsletter. <laughs> so I think that's that? a great way. So we're going to make it super easy for this episode. We're actually putting a link in the show notes so you can go directly to that and subscribe to the newsletter. And it comes out once a month. It's got great information in it, articles, what's coming up at the podcast. Um, we'll feature different listeners and stuff that's been going on in their life with uh, transformation stories and what God is doing. And so it's super encouraging, um, informational, not too long. Also, we don't want to throw a bunch of stuff uh, in your inbox. Um, I particularly don't want that. I 
hate opening my email and seeing too many you things. Have the worst email. <laughs> She's like five thousand in her inbox. It's not even open. That is not true. Okay, three thousand. No, it's like one hundred and forty. Okay, because I went through and I deleted. <laughs> yes. You can do that more. You can just be my e- e- email manager. Oh, I can't <laughs> anyway. stand having a bunch of emails in my inbox. That's so me, though. sign up for the newsletter. And then, Travis, what does everybody have to look forward to for the next three to six months? With oh, Apollo's my goodness. Water? There's a lot of things going on. And that's probably why we haven't got the watering Wednesdays. There's a lot of transition and pieces um, on the show. Um, we're having a lot of different guests. Uh, we have Esteban Shed coming on with Street Lights, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, we hope to have Christian Smith of Notre Dame, who's a big time researcher. I've been corresponding with him. We want to get him on in the summer. Uh, Trevin Wax of uh, Southern Baptist Convention, who's on the North American Mission Board. He's also part of the Gospel Coalitions coming on the show. Um, there's, I'm trying to think here, Jim Wilder. Yes. We're going to be doing some neuro theology. Uh, Jim Wilder is going to be coming (laughs) on the show as is Michael Hendricks. Uh, we're hoping also to get Kurt Thompson. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to be hearing from George Yancey who wrote a book called uh, a couple books. One's called one faith, no longer, which is actually, uh, he's a sociologist out of Baylor and he wrote a book along with a co-writer, Ashley, uh, Cusick. I think that's how you say it. Cusick. And they uh, basically are looking at progressive Christianity and mm-hmm. uh, where it plays with conservative Christianity. And spoiler alert, their their assessment is, is they're two separate religions. So yeah. um, we're going to be dealing also, um, we have some other special guests. We're going to be talking with a, a man who is a former Sikh, uh, Joss Veer, who's going to be coming on and Which talking is, uh, about how big it's like the fifth, fifth Biggest. Fifth biggest religion in the world now, yeah. just past Judaism. So he's going to be coming on the show. Um, I'm trying to think who else is is going to be on. Don Whitney, Donald S. Whitney is going to be coming on. We're going to be talking about his book, uh, Praying the Bible, How to mm-hmm. Pray the Bible Better. Um, and I know that's going to be a treat. I, I forgot, Chris Castaldo is going yeah. to be coming on. And uh, Chris is a former Roman Catholic, and he likes to, to talk about that and and good news for Catholics and, and to talk through some of the different pieces um, of that. So he's going to be on. And I'm trying to think here. There's, there's several other people. Oh, and the last one, David Garrison. <sighs> incredible, incredible ministry. I mean, he wrote a book uh, several years ago called Wind in the House of Islam. And he's an expert on Islam and especially on expressions of mission in North America and reaching unreached people groups in the United States. Oh, wow. And I'm super excited about him. And there's so many other books that we're, we're looking at right now. People that we're trying to interact with, people that are making a difference in their world with their head, heart, hands. Um, mm-hmm. People that are watering their world in incredible ways and they can help us water and understand our world better. And we're getting ready, Lord willing, sometime in the summer to launch Apollos Academy. Yes. And we're going to be talking through a lot of the different issues that people are dealing with and um, offering them classes online that if you register or you become one of our Apollos watered watering team, and you do so now, you'll actually get the material for free. Yes. Um, later. So I want to put a plug on for Apollos Watered Academy. And... Oh, so many things that are going on right now. It's it's uh, it's exciting to it see. Exciting. It really is exciting to see how God is is blessing it and touching lives. But you know, it wouldn't be possible without our team, mm-hmm. um, and and that includes you who are listening. We consider you part yes. of our family uh, and our team because you are trying to water your world. You're trying to make a difference and push back against the world's status quo and, and battle what I like to call the three headed dragon, you know, the world, the flesh and the devil. (laughs) And that three headed dragon can come against us pretty hard. And, um, we need to, to be able to show the truth and, uh, the truth of the word of God. 
mm-hmm. that people can be saved in the in the exclusivity of Jesus's atoning death on the cross and how his his death paved the way. I mean, he paid for our sins, past, present, and future on the cross one time. Was mm-hmm. always needed, and then he rose from the dead, showing his victory over sin. And now, by faith in him, we consider ourselves crucified with Christ, and we can have life, forgiveness, peace, and purpose with him, no matter what our backgrounds are. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the gospel, and mm-hmm. that's the at the heartbeat and the root of Apollos watered. And I am so, so excited to <laughs> interact with all these people and uh, to just show the reality of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in the world. Well, thanks for coming on the show. This is weird. <laughs> it's this is fun. weird. But it's natural, too. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing us talk. Let me ask Travis questions. Feel free to listen and share this episode. Maybe we'll do it again. And we want to have more people grow from connecting with the show. Uh, if you've been impacted by listening to the podcast, again, screenshot it, text it to a friend, share it on your Instagram, Facebook. And rate the show. We even have a video on our Instagram and Facebook pages on how you can rate if you are a little unfamiliar with that. Because here's the deal. The more you rate, the more of a difference it makes. You know, I'm trying to get that to rhyme there, but I'm not sure how much it's actually doing it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we also want to let you know that we have content on our website. And again, Instagram, Facebook, and all of that is shareable. So as... Melissa likes to tell me we want to leave leave a trickle of truth and encouragement around the world and watch people grow. But if you do want to support us, go to apolloswater.org, hit the support us button in the upper right hand corner, and then that will take you to our, our, our site and it will help you, you know, show you how to give and what amount is appropriate for you. And we do want to give a shout out to our team. You want me to do this? Do Yeah, you do it. All right, Kevin. Melissa, that would be me. Donovan, Eliana, Rebecca, and Audrey. Water your faith. Water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming and Melissa Lynn Fleming. Signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay Stay watered, watered, everybody. everybody.